Welcome to Galaxy of Toys Presents the Star Wars Spinner Rack, a podcast all about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Jake Stevens, and I'm coming at you today with issue two of the Star Wars Spinner Rack, where we'll be covering, where we will be covering and discussing and rating all Star Wars comics released in June 2014. Now, of course, before we start the show, we want to make it very clear that since we'll be discussing and thus spoiling many of the plot points and reveals of the recent releases, if you've yet to read those books and you desire to stay spoiler-free, well, then now is a good time to hit pause, go ahead, log on to the Holonet, download your digital copy, or head into hyperspace for your local comic book shop before joining us for the rest of this show. Now, speaking of this show, joining me once again tonight, and hopefully always, is the MC of GOT, Galaxy of Toys. That would be Jason. Hi, Jason. Hey, Jake. You uh, recently celebrated a birthday. How'd that go? Did you get any Star Wars toys? Oddly enough, I did not. Not a single one. What? Well, I guess because you buy them all yourself, right? Uh, That, and there's just absolutely... Hey, you know what, though? I did buy those two stormtroopers for myself the night before. Yes, you those did. Those two Saga Legend uh, five POA stormtroopers. Yeah, absolutely. And Jason. I was tempted by those uh, tech deck skateboards. I almost bought a couple of those. Well, I was going to tell you, Jason. So Jason and I, for those listening at home, went on a quick toy run, real quick, up to Fred Meyer's, real quick, which is our local Kroger's affiliate, I guess, if you will. Um, and Jason's been collecting... How many Stormtroopers are you up to now, the Saga Legends line? I now have eight. That's That was my uh, goal, to get eight of them. I have them all now. So now eight and done. done. Uh, we, we came across the uh, almost the whole line of the Tech Deck series. That was tempting. I almost bought those, too, but I'm glad. I'm kind of glad I didn't. Four, por- four purchases at Fred Meyer's the other night could have got you all but one of the skateboards. Yeah. Um, I resisted as well, but I will have you know, Jason, as we talked about the other day, you share a birthday with my now four-year-old. And for his birthday, which we celebrated yesterday, he got the Chewbacca Tech Deck. Oh. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, <laughs> I could probably go snatch those back Did he up. like it? Did he play with it? Um, it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-themed birthday uh-huh. party, so his uh, priorities were at all the new turtle gear he got. Uh-huh. All right, also joining us is our uh, very good friend, he collects them all, Ryan Bendems Bizey, who uh, now also has his spinoff uh, podcast. Ryan, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, we start a new podcast called Collectibles Cosmos. I host that along with uh, Marjorie from Star Wars Action News and Amy from Nerdventions. And we talk about those things that um, aren't going to probably be covered on Galaxy of Toys. Those things that are a little different, uh, a little out there, uh, overlooked, and not always as appreciated by the collectors out there. And so we, we kind of have fun with that. Our next episode will be coming soon, and it'll be all about applause items. I have a sweet spot for applause. <laughs> I have a fair amount of them myself, so I'll be looking forward to hearing that show. All right, sounds good. We're going to start off uh, this month's show with a Marvel Comics update. And that was your Marvel Comics update. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I kid. But really, there was no news this month. It was um, 
Good. Yeah. I was kind of worried there. I was like, wait, did I miss a memo? Was I supposed to? <laughs> no. Insert crickets for the Marvel Comics update because we didn't get any news. Um, the last little bit of news that I have been able to come across was from bleedingcool.com, and that was way back in the middle of May. And that was when they were reporting that we would get Marvel's plans, comic book plans, for their Star Wars uh, license a week ahead of Comic-Con. So by the time you're listening to this, Comic-Con is about three and a half weeks away. Ryan, you're going to it. What oh, When yeah. is Comic-Con? It is uh, July 23rd through the 27th. Okay. Okay. So it'll be close. About three weeks out, yeah, from the time this airs. So... Yeah, we haven't received any new news, but uh, hopefully, of course, by next uh, month, we will hopefully have some news for you. And hopefully Ryan can pick up some good nuggets while he's out there uh, fighting the masses at San Diego Comic-Con. You think it's like kind of – you think Marvel is just being courteous to not announce much right now because Dark Horse still does have the license and they still are putting out some comics. So maybe they're just trying to not rub it in. It would be nice. I, I would like to think that they're playing nice like that, but you know, he's the the it's kinda like the big kid who got the ball back, you know, on the playground. He doesn't care what the <laughs> smaller kids think anymore, I don't oh, think. Oh gosh, I had not thought of it like that. Wow. <laughs> it's true though. That's a good point. Yeah. It is like you're that's exactly what happened. It'd be all about the bullies. Oh, I don't know if I like this anymore. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited uh, for some newness as we'll get to uh, reviewing some of these books out here. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Next month, we'll probably have some answers to the questions we have now regarding regarding. I know that they did say at this uh, Las Vegas, um, I think it was a I think it was Diamond Realtors Summit is what it was called. And they did announce that they would be saying what their two ongoing series would be. So we know at least two ongoings. So whether they tie into Episode 7 or The Clone Wars or Rebels, time will tell on that one. For the record, I'd like one of the series to just be called Star Wars, and I'd like it to start with issue 108. <laughs> and uh, it includes the triumphant return of one green rabbit, correct? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yep. Uh, Jason, wouldn't you be even more excited if they had, like, a Lobot series? Ah. Uh... It's it's a silent issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Could they make a Lobot silent issue as cool as G.I. Joe's silent issue? I think they, they could. could. I've read a few <laughs> comics where they where barely anything was said. It could be done. Time. It could be done yeah. with Lobot. All right, next up, Radar Misses for the month of May. There are a few things that uh, came out in the month of May we didn't get to in the last show, but I wanted to just uh, chat about briefly here. And the first one up was Bleeding Cool, issue number 10. Now, Bleeding Cool, as we just talked about, is a website, and recently, over the last year or so, they've uh, started their own informational magazine, if you will. It's comic book in size, but it's nothing but articles about the comic book industry. Um, actually, inside their comic, they list all sorts of uh, stories that they brag are not available online. So it's kind of a nice little uh, breath of fresh air because most of the things we read now in magazines, we've already read weeks or days before on the internet. So it's nice. And uh, the reason I bring it up here is because they have a great inclusion of what is the Marvel's British Invasion, Star Wars comics in the United Kingdom. And it is a very long, like 12, 13-page article, if you will, on 
all the different highlights and cool things that came out through Star Wars Weekly and Marvel UK back in the, of course, late 70s, early 80s. All right, next up uh, for Radar Miss in May is Star Wars Magazine uh, is something that's published by Titan Comics, and it was formerly known as Star Wars The Clone Wars Magazine. Now, this is kind of a kid supplement to Titan's uh, Star Wars Insider. As we know, years ago, it took over the official uh, Star Wars magazine, The Insider, and they've started producing these more or less kid equivalents of it, where it has puzzles and games. And uh, one thing they've always featured in both the Clone Wars version and now the new Star Wars, just Star Wars, they dropped the Clone Wars, just like it seems like everybody, including Disney, has. Um, it has a couple eight-page comic stories inside. Now, previously, of course, these were all Clone Wars themed. Uh, but this issue actually includes a eight-page story that takes place during A New Hope. And it's called War on the Judlin Wastes. Now, Jason, I know you picked up this magazine. Did you read this comic here, this eight-page? I did. And I, I got to say, I was not going to purchase this, com- this, this magazine because I hadn't been uh, collecting the Clone Wars magazines. But uh, you mentioned to me that the comics were in it and that uh, – there was some OT stuff in it, so I decided to pick this up, and I really enjoyed the the magazine itself. It just, uh, I think, for five bucks, it's a pretty good deal. the uh, The first comic, the War on the Judlin Waste, I read it and enjoyed it. I thought the art was pretty fun. Um, I liked the uh, kind of the blocky, simplistic look of it. The story, I'm not sure if this is legends or canon or just something on its own. The story seems unlikely because it takes place kind of between when what Ben and uh, Luke uh, are headed to uh, Mos Eisley. Mos Eisley. Um, it seems unlikely that all this would have taken place during then, but you never know, I suppose. Yeah, it's a. It, it was a story I wasn't expecting. I saw that it was in here, obviously, but I wasn't expecting when I started reading it that it would be taking place during the film um, in such a narrow time. Um, Star Wars Magazine, number one, also features a second story. It's called Labyrinth, and this one stars Yoda. And the premise of this mini-comic is uh, Yoda saving a few moon colony survivors from their separatist overran home. What would you think of this one? Um, it seemed, you know, very, very much for the kids more than anything. I mean, it's basically... Yoda sticking behind to, to stick it out for these extra um, uh, refugees to get them out off the planet and everything. And he doesn't give up on them, even when everybody else says, hey, you know, it's probably not worth it. You should get out of here. Very over-the-top morals like that. Uh, not that it was a bad story. It was just like it, – it, it seemed like it was definitely for the kids. I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed the Yoda stuff in it, but uh, – it, it was it was pretty decent. Okay, Jason. I think I'm suffering a bit of Yoda fatigue. I think um, I like Yoda, and I think he's a great character. But um, I don't know if it was because I had watched the last uh, few episodes of the Clone Wars Lost Missions or what. But I'm just kind of I'm kind of tired of Yoda. Um, so I didn't quite enjoy this this ish, this uh, this story as much as the first one. Uh, this comic to me was a lot of just Yoda running around empty buildings. It wasn't uh, very exciting to me. I mean, even though it's nothing but 
action, but it was mostly just running in circles. I, I've read the Clone Wars magazine that came before this and was never really impressed with their Clone Wars adaptations. So it's not shocking to me that it wasn't my favorite, but I do yeah. like that they featured the the uh, the uh, Republic attack shuttle the last yes. uh, page because I do like that vehicle quite a bit, and I love absolutely love the uh, the Hasbro uh, three and three quarter inch scale uh, Republic attack shuttle. So it was kind of cool to see that. So that was a positive for this story, I guess. Absolutely, I don't think we saw that vehicle enough maybe during the Clone Wars. Agreed. Okay, um, and our final radar miss for May 2014 was, wasn't anything that was published in <laughs> uh, 2014. This is actually a rediscovery of a Star Wars adaptation that was originally published in 1980. And this was recently, uh, this is a Chinese Star Wars adaptation of the film. And it was recently kind of rediscovered, if you will, by Maggie Green from Montana State University. And this is a palm size uh, comic, if you will. They don't necessarily call them comics. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Chinese name for these. But uh, what they are is they mo- they're more of uh, prose storytelling. They're more of text that then have images, and sometimes the text is on the image, and sometimes it surrounds the image. The reason I bring this up is because, obviously, it's been lost for a long time. There hasn't been, you know, no one's reported this or ever scanned this really uh, online for others to enjoy. Um, but what has happened since this discovery is it's been translated, so you can, uh, of course, read it if you're not fluent in Chinese. But the other cool thing is um, it is insane by the art and depictions and not insane in a bad way. It is really, really a fascinating read because it is clear that no one drawing this movie had seen Star Wars, which had come out only in Hong Kong a few years prior. And it looks like mostly what they had seen is either reference material or actually Empire Strikes Back because a lot of Empire characters show up in a Star Wars uh, in the Star Wars adaptation. So, uh, Jason, did you get a chance to uh, thumb through this uh, recent rediscovery? I, d- I did, and uh, it is very insane. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to keep track of what's going on. I think at some point, uh, the man with no name character yes. uh, portrayed by yeah. Clint Eastwood shows up. Um, yeah, I don't know. This would be, you know, if someone were to try to publish this, um, it would be a copyright disaster. You oh know, my since gosh. there's so many, there's so many different things thrown in there to get the licensing for all of the different uh, different uh, characters portrayed would be a nightmare. Oh, absolutely. You you have the spaghetti westerns. You have uh, real life spaceships and spacecraft, and uh, you have. Um, uh, Flash Gordon all over the place. You have a mix-up of Star Wars and Empire. It was just, it was, sometimes Chewbacca looks like Chewbacca and sometimes he looks like a gorilla. It's just really, really interesting. It was so fascinating. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't stop going through it. I think there's like 150 or so pages and I went through every one of them. Yeah. I think one of my favorites was, uh, 2-1-B being so featured everywhere in Star Wars A New Hope. Ryan, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I I didn't read any of the translation. I just looked at the pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. And um, 
again, just like you guys are talking about some of the weird mix-ups and crazy things that are in this, um, I'm looking at uh, a frame that's basically the Argo from Star Blazers showing up in this. Oh, yes. Um, I'm looking at Darth Vader on top of a Triceratops, but it's more of Darth Vader's mask and his cape. The rest of him looks more like He-Man, quite literally down to He-Man's basic clothing, and it's kind of crazy that way. Just strange mix-ups, uh, the, the whole bounty hunter stuff that shows up. It's it's really really weird. I don't understand uh, what was going on here. But like you said, it seems like whoever wrote this out actually didn't watch the movie. They grabbed some images uh, and and put it together. It's kind of like some of those Polish or uh, Russian uh, movie posters where they just throw some yes. things in there that have nothing to do really with the movie. But uh, you know, it seemed like it worked. Yes, I highly 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 encourage anyone who's uh, who thinks this sounds interesting or too. Uh, too uh, unbelievable that to check it out, and um, I'll throw and, a link up there in a few days when this comes out, so uh, people know where to go. You know, not that it's the same thing, but it kind of brought up memories of watching Turkish Star Wars for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, Turkish Turkish Star Wars makes the holiday special look like Oscar award winning. Yeah, I I think material. Turkish Star Wars is on YouTube now, and I. Uh, if you've never seen Turkish Star Wars, I highly suggest checking it out just uh, just because you should. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would suggest if you're going to see Turkish Star Wars, see it with a group of people. If you watch it by yourself, you're probably <laughs> going to be bored and, and hate everything and want to kill yourself afterward. All right. Now on to what's on the spinner racks for June 2014. Now here, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at all the Dark Horse comics that were released during this month. And uh, – We'll be having our esteemed staff of uh, comic readers here uh, give it a Death Star rating system. And how it works is one Death Star represents the Death Star plans, as in this book needs to go back and be replanned. Two Death Stars means, yeah, the unfinished yet protected by a forest moon energy shield type Death Star. So it's not good, but it's not great. And then uh, three Death Stars means we have a complete and fully functional Star Wars story here. So one, two, or three Death Stars. I think we threw in some halves, so we can do that again if we want. Um, first up comes uh, Star Wars number 18. This was released uh, June 11th. And the solicitation for this month's uh, Star Wars book was Princess Leia's wedding day has arrived, and so has the Empire. As Darth Vader's fleet bears down on the planet, the rebels scramble to defend themselves they have been double-crossed. Dun-dun-dun. Now, upon picking up this uh, issue of Star Wars, my toy-collecting brain totally flared up. Um, for those of you who don't know, I also run From Forlom to Zuckus, a uh, website dedicated to all three and three-quarter uh, action figures, both new and old, vintage and modern. And the first thing that I noticed on this cover is that pictured is a Kenner mold of an X-Wing. So there's a couple X-Wings, of course, being pursued by TIE Fighters. And it is clearly, in my mind, I said, oh my gosh, that's the Kenner mold. Because it's even it's even the same coloring that Hasbro used to uh, when they reissued this ship in 1995. And so what I did is I wanted to confirm my suspicions. I reached out to... Victor Manuel Liza, and he is the cover artist for this book. And I uh, tracked him down. I sent him an email, and sure enough, he wrote back and uh, confirmed what I had thought. 
I asked him if he actually used the toy as the model, and he said he did not have the toy, but he found images of it online, and that's what he used. And he used toy images for the sex wing over the actual movie stills, the actual props, because it has that shorter fuselage. The Kenner toys, uh, of course, back when they were made in 78, they uh, did not make them to scale like we get a lot of the Hasbro offerings today because, of course, they were toys and they were meant for three and three quarters. So keep the price down. They uh, truncated a bit, the fuselage. So that was very exciting for me to hear back from Victor and uh, hear that he actually did use a Kenner and Hasbro toy uh, as a reference art. Did you guys notice that when you saw that on the cover? You know, at first I didn't, but uh, when you you actually, uh, I think you messaged me about it, and if, as soon as you said something, I knew exactly what it was. I knew, you know, I can, rec- the 1995 uh, Kenner X-Wing just looks, it looks like the 1995 Kenner X-Wing. No mistake about it. Definitely, yeah. Uh, it's interesting looking at that. Uh, that one looks like it, the one you're talking about, but if you look just above it, there's another X-Wing that does not look like the Kenner X-Wing, completely different model. No, uh, you're absolutely look, correct. Yep. It lo- looks like something from the movie. It's like just that one is the Kenner one, and the rest mm-hmm. of them are regular there. Although the one over kind of behind Vader's helmet might be a reverse image of the Kenner one. It's hard to tell. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah, that's definitely a Kenner X-Wing. <laughs> I'm always I'm always excited. Um, that's my new little side project I'm working on. I'll get it done one of these days. Is trying to track down Kenner appearances of uh, Kenner concepts and Hasbro concepts that are used in material outside of Kenner and Hasbro toys. So, like for this example, um, is a great one. Now, uh, Ryan, you are a Vader focus collector. Uh, what do you think about Vader's uh, depiction in this story, uh, both in character and art? I thought the art was pretty good. Uh, a lot of times, the art on Vader seems really weird. Like they stylize it. It's interesting though. As you get in, it's clear the artist like brought his helmet down a little bit uh, on one frame here to make it look, make him look a little angrier. When uh, the Emperor's telling him, uh, no, you don't get to go do uh, the attack here. Uh, you're going to stay right here. Be thankful. And he, he looks a little upset about that. But um, I think it, lo- it looks really good. Also, I kind of like the story arc where he's like, he really wants to go attack. It's his thing. But the Emperor's kind of getting on him for going out and doing his own little mission and taking out the, the spies and all that. And so he has to stay behind while the the Empire goes out to uh to attack the rebels, and in the meantime, he's kind of brewing, kind of pouting there. And at the end, when the the empire uh, does not prevail, uh, he's pretty much like, "I'm not going to st- stand aside for this anymore. I'm I'm going to take care of business." Which kind of seems to lead into Empire Strikes Back in a way, where he's leading the fleet uh, at the, in the Hoth to get them. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's the same observation I had because, especially with only two issues left, we're not really going to see a full on rebel you know witch hunt by vader so i think you're absolutely right they're trying to scoot this in the direction of empire the next you know sequential story arc for that character absolutely brian wood jason do you think he understands star wars the main star wars characters you know i suppose so uh yeah i don't know i think everybody kind of has their own take on the characters and I, i don't i don't always know if there's like a common take that fits everyone I thought he's done okay. You know, this storyline, um, I I knew where it was. You know, I think we all knew where it was headed. You know, we knew we know Leia's not getting married to anyone between us, 
A New Hope and Empire. It seemed unlikely to me that, she, like, I think I said this on the last what episode, it seemed unlikely that Princess Leia would marry someone just so the the fleet can have a place to keep their ships for a while. It just doesn't quite add up to me. It doesn't seem... I can't see that happening. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the reason I ask is because I sometimes I, I take a little issue with his depiction of some of the characters. And one thing that jumped out from this uh, particular issue is, of course, the Empire is um, arriving on the planet that they're uh, trying to partner up with here. And uh, the advisor to the prince is the one that orchestrated this betrayal and his soldiers start going after our rebel heroes and at one point leia is uh stuck in a room with mom mothma and she takes out two to three guards unarmed <laughs> in her whole five one ninety pound self and it just it didn't feel like leia to me now if you put a blaster in her hand i know that she can hold her own but you know hand-to-hand combat with Princess Leia taking out trained security guards, it just, you know, we can say that she has the force, right? <laughs> there there was an old Marvel comic, and I think it actually was a UK comic, um, and I have it somewhere, where Leia was uh, training in hand-to-hand combat with and all kinds of crazy com- styles of fighting with some assassin or something that her father had paid to, to train her. So, um I would love to hear that backstory. Yeah, I'll find that for you and let you know for the next ep- for the next next uh, episode. But uh, but even that story doesn't really seem like the Leia that we would know from uh, A New Hope or uh, Empire Jedi. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, th- that's why I asked because she's a she's a fighter pilot. She's now trained in disarming security guards, and I don't know. She's marrying people for allegiances. It, I, I'm not the most comfortable with Brian's take on her. Another scene that kind of struck out to me, did you guys pick up on this? Does Han really blow the head off a security guard? Do you know the image I'm talking about? There is an image where he is running into the palace, oh. free Princess Leia, and it is just kind of a bloody <laughs> mess that appears above a guy's shoulders just as Han's firing his head. It seems so out of place. Did the guy fire at him first? (laughs) Who shot first? It was clear on who shot first. I actually don't have a problem with Han shooting people in the head. (laughs) No, me neither. I'm good with it. (laughs) I don't know if George Lucas would be good with it, but I'm good with it. One Death Star, two Death Star, three Death Star. Jason, we'll start with you. Uh, let's see. So this is where they figured out how to use the ion cannon, right? Was that- yep. Okay. Yeah, secretly built ion cannons <laughs> on this planet. I'm gonna, hmm, I'm gonna be generous and give this two Death Stars. Ryan, I'm still loving this series. I still go three. You go three Death Stars. All, All right. right. Well, then I'll uh, round the bases with. Uh, I'm giving it one Death Star. I- wow. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I, the cover is amazing for me because not only does he use a Kenner X-wing, but it's also fantastic art. I really like what he's done here. Um, okay, so what was also released on June 11th was Dawn of the Jedi Force War Volume Three Trade Paperback. Now, this collected the last final arc of um, Dawn of the Jedi series entitled The Force War. 
Um, so it actually includes Force War 1 through 5. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to save this discussion for a future show because I fear that we will have some downtime between new Dark Horse and Marvel content. So we'll come back to that in a future time. So next we want to skip to June 18th's release of Darth Maul, The Son of Dathomir, Issue 2. Now, solicitation for this book reads... With his shadow collective army stalled, Darth Maul calls on Mother Towson for help and is sent reinforcements, the deadly Knight Brothers. Maul is ready again to take on the Separatist droid army, Count Dooku, and General Grievous in a trio of simultaneous battles. And of course, this series is adapted from unaired episodes of the Clone Wars TV show. Jason, we'll start with you. Mother Talzin has the ability to emerge from within Darth Maul. Does this, now knowing that this is a canon, canonized story, does this fit in your Star Wars world that you're comfortable with? This fits in my Clone Wars uh, animated series world that I'm comfortable with, but as far as the the greater film series, probably not. It made me feel like when Luke was... Um, Maybe talking to Darth Vader, like a father-son type thing. Um, but this is more of a mother-son type thing. I felt like uh, something – I got kind of got that vibe from it. I like that parallel. I like that parallel. Mm-hmm. Ryan, does this, uh, this belong in your canonized world of Star Wars? Um, it works all right. It, it fits right into me with, with the Clone Wars. It seems to go right on along with what, what happened in there. and It works quite well. I, I'll still say again, even though – even with, sorry, I'll say again here that Grievous is, he seems a lot better portrayed than he was in the cartoon, though. He actually seems halfway competent in the comic, whereas, uh, you know, in the cartoon he was like the, the Scooby-Doo villain where uh, he was always kind of running away, getting defeated. Well, the, really, with we have, what, Dooku here? Real quick, is this Grievous and Dooku, is this the first time we ever see them in the same room? I thought we did. Oh. Don't we normally see them talking to each other through Hologram. holograms and yeah. that struck yeah. that that stuck out to me. I couldn't I couldn't quite place another time where I saw Grievous and Dooku other outside of Gendy Tartakovsky when he's training him. Um, those little mini episodes from two thousand and whoa, when was that? Two thousand four? Two thousand three, wasn't it? Or, or was it oh three oh four? Was it four or five? Because it led into the uh, into it, Revenge it, it, of the Sith. It did re- lead into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I don't remember exact days, but oh, I'm getting too old for this. Uh, I know. So Grievous and Dooku. You you agree that Grievous was uh, back to being serious stuff, whereas in the past yeah. he's been kind of a pushover in the show. Yeah, it, much much better portrayal. It seems much closer. When we first saw that Tartakovsky stuff, we all thought Grievous. This guy's awesome. He's a badass. He's taking out all these Jedi. It's just going to be great. And, you know, he really didn't live up to that in the movie very much. And then the Clone Wars especially did not. Uh, like I said, the Scooby-Doo villain of the week type of thing. He's always being defeated. He he doesn't seem that impressive or scary or you, you never feel at all like he's going to defeat the, the heroes at all. Uh, you'd be surprised if he even killed anybody, you know, um, in the cartoon. And here he seems much more to... Uh, to where he should be. It's still interesting that the the battle droids still have all the uh, the design on them. That's I think you guys described it as kind of a Darth Maulish design. I thought it looked a little more like circuitry or something that's on them. Yeah, I, they're I don't, definitely commanding a new unit we haven't really seen yeah, before. 
It's interesting because it's the same style of droids that we had on the uh, the prison planet that he was on, that Darth Maul was on last time. So yes. it's not like it's necessarily exact. I don't know if that's just an art choice or what on that. It's just kind of interesting. I but, believe uh, so. Yeah, I'd say the story goes right along. Just to get back to the original question, the story goes right along with uh, with the cartoon fairly well. So if, if I, I enjoyed the cartoon. Does it fit in the Star Wars universe? Eh, kind of. You know, you, you have to kind of squint a little bit sometimes, but yeah, it kind of works. Okay. I like Jason's comparison of uh, Grievous to uh, Cobra Commander. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should be scary, but always gets his butt handed to him in the end. Or, or Skeletor from He Man in the Magic yeah, Universe. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Darth Maul Strikes Back. Was capturing two separatist leaders too easy for Maul in this? Because that was my big question when I finished the issue. I'm like, we just went through six six seasons of the Clone Wars, and their main goal was to get either Grievous or Dooku. And they had a heck of a time getting a hold of them, but Maul can pull it off in one issue. But it just seemed uh, pretty impressive for me for Maul to get it all done in one uh, shot. He got his uh, shadow collective on it, and what a threat! I feel like the war could have gone a very different angle if this, uh, if they would have actually done something with these two captives. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they go next issue on how uh, Dooku and Grievous uh, managed to escape. I think you know this comic book series. You know we know we know that Dooku's around after this. We know that Grievous is around after this because of Revenge of the Sith. We know sure. that. What we don't, what I think is the most interesting aspect of this comic series is that we really don't know what happens to Darth Maul. Now, will this comic series be bold and, and show something like, you know, maybe he's going to be killed or, or something, or is it just going to, is he just going to run away at the end and, and have a vague ending? Like, that's, yeah. what, I, I just want to know what happens to Darth Maul. Like, all of this, you know, all of these battles in between and fighting, it doesn't mean much to me. I just I want to I just want to get to the end of the story. What happens? Will they show what happens? I don't know. I guess we'll find out in two. What? Two more issues. Two more if issues. They're going to kill Darth Maul. He better be killed by Obi-Wan again. I, I'd oh. be more satisfied with that. Right, will we even <laughs> see a Jedi in this series? That's going to be a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ryan, you want them to kill Darth Maul at the end of this? Do you want to? Yeah, hear I never liked story? him. Yeah, kill him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when they killed him in Phantom Menace, I was like, "Oh, look at that! Sliced him in half and dropped him down a shaft." There's no way they can bring him back. This isn't a Boba Fett, you know. And what do they do? They bring him back. So, yeah, I, I thought he should have stayed dead with Phantom Menace. I, um, I well, I've liked what they've done with him on the Clone Wars arc. I think he needs to die. Jason, you want him dead at the end of this? That's a hard question. I like Darth Maul. Um, I feel like he was terribly underused in the films. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing him in another, in a, in one of the spinoffs or something. So I guess I don't want him to die, but if they do kill him, then, you know, I, I'd be okay with that too. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious though. Oh, very curious. <laughs> if no, he doesn't no. die in this, if he does not die in this, then I will st- then my curiosity will be, is he going to be in one of the new movies? Yeah. Now, if he doesn't die in this, and he is such a one-tracked, driven Sith apprentice, something major is going to have to happen to him, because why would he stop? Why, Why? you know, I don't know what his story arc could be 
if he didn't die and he's not involved in anything after it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He is so driven at taking down Jedi and getting revenge and I don't know how you could even write it in. To him To have him haul off into the <laughs> outer rim doesn't seem like a... He, he, a, a good choice for that character. He gets, he gets married, he settles down, he lives a quiet <laughs> life. <laughs> I was, was going to say, he keeps following around Obi-Wan and like just keeps missing him and then follows him to the Death Star and, and sees Vader kill him and he feels really bad because he missed out on his chance. So he's moping around the Death Star when Luke blows it up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Either that or uh, Saw's Ventress is pretty lonely out there now. Oh. <laughs> Can have some night children. Oh. <laughs> No, Darth. That's, that's a different publication there. That's a... Son of Dathomir, number two. Jason, one, two, or three Death Stars. I'm going to be generous and give this two Death Stars. Okay. Ryan. Uh, one and a half. One and a half. All right. Yeah. You guys, not as much love for this one, I see. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give it three. I kind of feel like the art's a little inconsistent from time to time. Um. It's Juan Frigeri, I believe, is the artist on this book. And some panels and pages, it looks like he spent a lot of time on. Others, it looks like they're really rushed. So I will give this a two Death Star rating. Okay, now on to um, one of our uh, radar misses, because we uh, recorded just a bit too early last month, was Legacy 15. So... Uh, we're going to go ahead and lump Legacy number 15 and Star Wars Legacy number 16 together. 15 was released on May 28th, and 16 was released on June 25th. So the more or less the overall of the story here is um, Anaya Solo needs to escape a crazy bounty hunter. And she finally does with the help of uh, a Imperial Knight, Jao Asum, who comes to her rescue. But then, of course, in doing so, uh, he takes her back to uh, the Empire for judgment. And uh, the Imperial Knight, Jao, gets uh, put on execution for deserting the Imperial Knights. So now we have a the freeing of Anaya and the um, condemnation of Jao is essentially what these two books are covering. With a little bit of backstory on our Sith Heavy, Sith Darth Red, he gets his backstory on this one as well. Jason, what's your thoughts on these uh, issues 15 and 16? Well, you know, after the Star Wars and Star Wars and Darth Maul, I'm kind of like, Oh, maybe I'm getting a little tired of Dark Horse, and maybe I'm glad that they're moving on to Marvel. <laughs> but when I read Legacy, like I that I realize that this is why I love Dark Horse. This feels like Dark Horse comics. This is what they do best. These type of stories, and I am gonna miss uh, Dark Horse for things like this. I, I'm I'm really happy with this 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 title Legacy. And I'll agree with you there. The continuity of this Dark Horse Star Wars universe is really fun. Yeah. I really like uh, Gabriel Hardman's uh, very – I like his art. And then Jordan 
Boyd adds this rich atmospheric color to it. I think these are really fun to just look at even without reading because they really set a very gritty tone to this future universe that's um, being ran by the you know there's Sith, there's Empire, uh, there's Jedi, there's all sorts. Um, I really like the depiction even in the mm-hmm. art of this series. Um, Ryan, are you reading this series? No, I'm still not reading the series. Still not reading the series. Okay. I like some of the concepts in this series, the acid rain, the glass rain. Yeah. Um, I think those are really fun things. Now, one thing that took me, uh-huh, <laughs> kind of put me off a little bit at first was Randy Stradley uh, at the end of issue 15's letter column says, what about that issue, folks? Trandoshans as stormtroopers. And I go back and I look yep. at the issue and I'm like, what did I miss? I did the same thing. And then I read the, and then I <laughs> went through issue 14. I was like, what? what? Did I miss aliens being stormtroopers? And I, for a whole month, I was like scratching my head going, I don't understand that. Are we, how would we know there are Trandoshans inside there? And those stormtroopers never took off their helmets. Yeah. Of course, until we get to 16 and we see, uh, Anaya Solo commanding a whole, um, I don't know, uh, unit of Trandoshan uh, stormtroopers. Ryan, what do you think of the idea of alien races being stormtroopers? Well, it's nothing new. We've seen it before. Um, I, I know in the comic two packs, that may have been in the in the Star Wars series, that they had the, uh, the Neomodian that was disguised as a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. His name was Mouse, wasn't it? Good point. Yep, absolutely. Um, and we, we've seen a couple different things. I'm just thinking action figure-wise. We've seen a couple of figure, you know, uh, aliens done as uh, stormtroopers. It's just, to me, I would think it would stick out more. I, the, the different alien species generally have different body types, um, different things like head tails or, uh, you know, whatever. Like you were talking about Trandoshans, well, you're going to have, uh, there's no way you could fit a, I would think, a Trandoshan head inside of a stormtrooper helmet without some sort of modification. Not to mention, you know, things like the forearms and everything like that. Uh, so I, I I could see it possibly being done. It would go along with the empire subjugating everybody to their will and to, and you know the whole non-human thing and just taking them and making them their troops, their fodder for the front line would would kind of fit with that. However, I would think there'd have to be modified stormtrooper armor for such a thing. Yeah, they didn't appear to be too modified, actually. For the for the art that we saw in this uh, issue number sixteen, they appeared to be pretty uh, classic. Uh, stormtroopers. One thing it made me think about was, um, of course, when you started mentioning uh, aliens in disguises, I immediately went to Cad Bane when he dressed up as a uh, clone trooper. Jason, in this book, they have a throwaway line where they talk about a, they have a little bit of a relative uh, uh, reveal in here. Yeah, when they say those solos. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was them t- letting us know that that she truly is a descendant of Han and Leia Solo. They they have that, and then did they not uh, talk about how her how An- Anaya is uh, cousins at some point with uh, the uh, Empress Fell? Did you catch that? Uh, line? Yes, yes, I did. I did catch that as well. Yeah, I didn't think so much about that one, but uh, yeah. I really don't know how they're going to wrap this all up in two more issues. I have no idea. Maybe they yeah. won't. You know, maybe it, maybe they oh, won't. <laughs> don't say that. Please, maybe don't somebody say will that. destroy the whole universe and you know everybody dies. All right, 
Star Wars Legacy 1516. 15, I definitely give it three Death Stars. Cool. If you're only reading one Dark Horse title, read this one. Uh, number 16, it's a trap. Right? <laughs> um, the, uh, oh, what is the Mon Calab? The, the mon- sock, sock says yeah, that. Yeah, and so and I'm and I'm 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 tired of hearing it. it's a trap. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. But something about it when he says, "I hate to say this, but it's a trap." Mm-hmm. It worked for me. So um, I got to give this one. I got to give it three Death Stars as well. Both issues. I mean, this legacy has so much going for it. Bounty hunters uh, piloting uh, tie bombers. You can't go wrong. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's got some really fun concepts. Like I said, the acid rain, the glass rain, whoever yeah. thought of glass rain is genius. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring out the light whips. We have, yeah, I really like, uh, I don't mind stormtroopers being aliens. So I think it's great. Um, I'm going to go with issue 15. I too, am going to, uh, give it a three death star, but I did not love, uh, Darth red's backstory, which takes up a large section of issue 15 or 16, sorry. So I'm going to give that one two stars. Uh, not too much happened that I was interested in uh, outside of the backstory. So we have Star Wars Legacy wrapping up two more issues to go. And we will have that series forever in our hearts, but no longer on the spinner racks. All right, that leads us to um, the final issue that came out for June, and that would be Rebel Heist number three. But we're also, though, going to talk about Rebel Heist number two, since that, too, also uh, came out after we recorded last. So the solicitation for Rebel Heist number two, which came out May 28th, says on a planet outside the Empire's jurisdiction, Princess Leia goes undercover to obtain a vital code from an Imperial source. She'll have to use disguises, gadgets, and her feminine wiles to succeed. And her only ally is another spy who is convinced the princess is a liability in the field. So we have Princess Leia becoming James Bond for Rebel Heist number two. Ryan, you're reading this series? Yes, I am. Yeah, I remember you... Uh, had difficulty finding this uh, last month, but you found it now? Yeah, I, I've read through it, yes. Perfect. What did you think of Princess Leia's take as an undercover agent? It was really odd. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was so very odd, but you described it exactly like the James Bond type of thing. You know, constantly like going through... The mission and, and constantly changing things because things have happened or whatever, and she needs to change up the whole plan. Uh, the other thing is she's running around most of this with the, the A New Hope hairstyle here. I don't know if that's supposed to be a popular hairstyle at the time or something, but it seemed odd that she was still wearing the cinnamon buns on the side of her head. It, it, it was kind of weird. Her look was kind of borrowed from both, yeah, you're right, her A New Hope cinnamon buns. I think they're called Star Puffs. Uh, yeah. Old school Kenner. Old um, yeah. Yep. With uh, mixed up with a little snow bunny Padme, I think, if you will. Well, she had some slinky outfits in it, that's for sure. Uh, very skin tight stuff, and which seemed very odd too for her. But yeah, it's. This, I don't know. It was really strange. It, Matt, I can't Matt Kent. On it. Yeah. Matt Kent is the uh, author on this book. He writes the scripts, and I feel like he's he likes to dip into the sexier side of uh, the Star Wars universe because 
this issue for a second issue in a row features pole dancing. You know, you know that's funny because on the last on our last uh, on our last show, I mentioned that there was pole dancing and it was like by a uh, centipede or something. Yes, right. And I thought, well, that's strange, but at least they didn't go with the typical Twi'lek, which would have been typical. And what do they do here? Boom! Pole dancing Twi'lek. Yep. Yep, They couldn't help it. They just couldn't help it. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, pole dancing. Slinky outfits. Um, There's even a couple of ass shots in this. I mean, yeah, states of undress. So I mean, that's you know, we're working in tandem with uh, uh, Marco Castanello is the uh, on pencils here. So yeah, those two uh, definitely want to bring out a different side that we normally don't see in Star Wars. Yeah, Jason, you buy her as a undercover agent that can uh, rise to all these different challenges of trying no. to. No. 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 Now here's the thing. I would I would believe it from Padme. We we've been yeah. we had Padme set up mm-hmm. to do this, even though she's you know a queen. Mm-hmm. But Princess Leia, I don't know. There's something about I don't feel like they capture the character correctly. Yeah. Would this story be better if the rebel was not Leia? If it was someone else, a Mara Jade or a um, anybody else? What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, if it was just like some other uh, rebel operative or something. I think it would work uh, in that, but it does seem odd that it's Princess Leia doing this. And it's not that I don't think she's intelligent enough to do any of this type of things. It's just we've never seen her do anything like this. We've seen her pick up a blaster and and, and do some of that stuff. And, you know, I could buy in, in the Star Wars series where she's flying the X-Wing and, and a couple things like that. It, it made sense for, uh, like, a guerrilla fighter to, to know a lot of that sort of thing. But here... To be like this undercover agent whole thing just doesn't seem like anything she would do. We never saw her do anything like that. We saw her either act very royally in the movies or, you know, kind of still stuck up but still, you know, able to shoot and blaster and take care of herself type of thing. But never so far as to, to know the ins and outs of, of everything and be able to, to be the, the complete James Bond. We never saw anybody like that in the Star Wars universe in the films, to be honest. No. And it seems very odd. Uh, in, in any other books, really. Like, well, we talked last time, they talked about feminine wiles in this and brought images of Shadows of the Empire. Even in that, where Leia kind of goes undercover, she's still, you know, highborn royalty, which they had a little bit of that in the Rebel Heist, but it quickly goes to, you know, Making this up as they go, Indiana Jones style, but with a lot more forethought into it too. If that makes sense. No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. I guess the, uh, I guess we are kind of overlooking her infiltration of Jabba's palace as Bausch, but that wasn't necessarily well thought out. <laughs> no, and, and I got the impression that Luke set up that whole thing. Yeah, you know. I love Return of the Jedi, but that whole escape plan makes zero sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. So, <laughs> I just we're, we're going to get everybody captured, there. and then we're going to kill the Rancor, and we'll all get together on the sail barge, and we'll kill yeah. Jabba there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, was a, <laughs> that was definitely a benefit of circumstances. Um, yeah, all the cards fell in their favor. Okay, so uh, Rebel Heist number two, uh, Ryan, what are you putting in? I'm going one star, or one Death Star here. One Death Star. Jason? Let's see, what did I give the last Rebel Heist? Did I give it a half a Death Star? Ooh. I should I should I keep track of these. It. I should keep track of such things. <laughs> <need> um, <laughs> I will give this... 
I will give this one Death Star. One Death Star. Barely. That's being generous, as I've been saying all night. What I really like about this series is the covers by Adam Hughes. Now, I'm a X-Men comic collector uh, reader, so I know uh, Adam Hughes pretty well. And I really like his take on the covers. Those are the ones that feature um, the character, not in kind of the retro-looking way, but more of the... Um, they have a nice colored background, white on top, and then it features the primary character on the cover. I really like his art, um, but that's not enough to save the issue for me. So... I'm going one Death Star as well for Rebel Heist number two. All right, Rebel Heist number three. This is June 25th release. The solicitation says Han Solo is in, is in Imperial Jail and a crime boss has the information that will free him. Enter Chewbacca, who pounds and pummels his way through the mission, accompanied by an untrusting ex-Imperial who can't understand a word Chewie says. Not that that matters much to a Wookiee on a rampage. Okay, so we continue this theme of the first issue, second, and now third issue being through the point of view of a character uh, along for the ride with our Star Wars heroes. And the unique thing about this series is it seems like all of these point of views do not like the Star Wars heroes. So that leaves me scratching my head. Why did they make me want to read a comic where the point of view is they don't like my heroes that I love, that I sign up for every month to come see? It is a really weird take for me to have this issue, again, written through the eyes of an Imperial who hates Wookiees and doesn't even love Wookiees by the end of this, still hates Wookiees. So why am I looking at it through his eyes? Jason... Does this series capture something that's never been done before, and that's why it's groundbreaking, or is this just not very fun? They've done similar things like this with the Darth Vader series, where they have someone tag along Vader who either likes or doesn't like him, and they've done Vader, things like this. But before. Vader is a character that right, you that love we, to hate, right. so I can totally get behind <laughs> someone saying that guy's a real jerk. Yeah, but for saying Chewie is yeah, you know, but, but he kind of he. He he. This character, this this. I guess that's a black hole stormtrooper, shadow trooper. Oh, I thought they cha- they painted his armor to make him different or something. Yes, they did. That's the same stormtrooper from the layout. The same one that that's. Yeah, they be. paint it when she. That's one of her undercover moves in number two. Okay, yeah, that's right. He's he's the same one at the end of the second one. Mm-hmm. Okay, the trooper c- does end up respecting Chewbacca toward at the end. I didn't want to like this one because I really didn't like the first too much at all. But I have to say, I this uh, issue number three was a a big improvement. I thought. Now, Jason, would it have anything to do with the female <laughs> hula dancer Lobot character? The uh, slave girl <laughs> hula dancer Lobot, who's also an Imperial commander. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Full disclosure, once again. Lobot uh, is Jason's Star Wars character of choice, so I had a feeling this would hit a sweet spot for you. Yeah, you know, I didn't even notice the headpiece really until you guys just mentioned it. Like, oh, wow. I guess I really wasn't paying that much attention to it. But. Yeah, that's that. I, that really stuck out for me. That is um, such a weird artistic Star Wars choice. Yeah, that was unexpected. That's for sure. She does talk though. She does. Yeah, she does. That's not why I like this issue. In <laughs> fact, 
I kind of thought that was kind of dumb. Yeah. I also didn't, I mean, does every sewer have to have a Dianoga in it? Is it like a, a Star Wars law or something? Yeah, the, the Dianoga is the natural plumber of the Star Wars. Universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we say that Chewie learned his lesson from the Death Star? Because I believe when he was on the Death Star, he was scared out of his mind. <laughs> he was banging Dianoga. on the door trying yeah. to get out of there. Yeah. Now you have him ripping its limbs off underwater. Oh, it's yeah. it's a little different version of Chewbacca we're used to. <laughs> Something, though, about this issue just works for me. I, I, I don't know. I can't quite explain it, but I like it. I like the uh, the Gamorrean crime boss, and uh, I do like how the, the trooper does kind of end up liking, you know, or respecting Chewbacca. Maybe not liking him, but yeah. at least respecting him. Until they go into the Indiana Jones trap at the end. Ryan, you <laughs> caught that, of course, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It was... In order to get the uh, send the message that they need to send, the whole point of uh, escorting this imperial agent through, they have to then cross through kind of a uh, a trapped uh, I don't know field, if you will. But one thing while they were doing this that I thought was pretty I don't even know. I I looked at it and went really Chewbacca is seen getting hit by four blasters and they bl- stormtroopers are firing at him as he's running. And blasters are bouncing off his arms and back. No, 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 no. I, I see what you're looking at. There's a win- window between him and the and the Imperials. If you look at that panel closely, he's really bluish, and there's like words up on the window. The blaster fire is actually going off the window, not off. Chewbacca. Oh my gosh! I'm so happy you point that out. It does look like it's hitting his body, though. Please, it tell does. Me. But with where it, they show the blast points hitting, it looks like it would be hitting off of him himself. But it does, and I bet you know what? I bet that was a error they made. I bet the artist drew that, and then be. later on they tinted it to go. Oh wait, wait, no, 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 no. Yes, no. I'm so glad you say that. So Chewbacca is not being. He is not invulnerable, and he cannot deflect. Lasers. Oh, I'm so glad. Seen him hit with a blaster fire in uh, in Return of the Jedi. So, yeah, I like yeah. how they drew the stormtroopers in this issue too. I think um, yeah, the stormtroopers look really nice, especially the the three that are next to the hula girl Lobot yep. character. <laughs> she looks really out of place in this though. Wow, she I'm does. looking at it again. I'm like, wow, what the heck? like <laughs> these stormtroopers and this half naked woman. It's like what? Well, and you know what? If you go back to issue number two, you see like Daisy Duke is serving, or, or even better yet, um, um, what's the? Oh my gosh, I lost it. Think of Gilligan's Isle. Um, Gil- Gilligan's Marianne. Isle. Marianne, Marianne. Thank you. She's got the half shirt that's tied up. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of, and then like the spy that was supposed to be following Leia in the bar just has like a suit jacket on. There's, there's. There's not a lot of uh, Star Wars-esque fashion in this outside of uh, maybe the Gamorreans. The Gamorreans are wearing exactly what they wear in uh, Jabba's Palace, but everyone else kind of has a different take on Star Wars fashion. It's not it's more it's more terrestrial. It's more Earth-like than we're used to, I think. So so the next issue is going to be the last issue. It's only a four-issue series, is that right? Correct. Okay. Woohoo. <laughs> So Luke is going to save everybody. (laughs) It's looking that way. All right, Jason, Rebel Heists, uh, number three, Chewbacca. What do you think? I will give this one and a half Death Stars. One and a half. 
Ryan. Um, I'll be a little more generous. I'll say two Death Stars. Okay, he gets an upgrade. For me, I'm going to downgrade it. I'm going one Death Star for this issue. I'm not. I don't think they capture the characters of Star Wars that I know, um, and so I'm going to mark it with a one Death Star. All right, now it's time for our monthly spin back in time. And for this month, we are going back to December 1991. This saw not only the beginning of Dark Horse's 22-plus year span in comics, but uh, it saw the beginning of Dark Empire. Dark Empire was a six-issue miniseries that ran all the way through October 1992. And the solicitation for Dark Empire says, Six years after the Battle of Endor, the fight for freedom rages on. Darth Vader is dead, but a reborn empire under a mysterious new leader strikes back at the struggling Rebel Alliance. Massive world devastators, more powerful and unstoppable than the Death Star, ravage entire planets, while the ruthless heirs of Jabba the Hutt place a momental price on the heads of Princess Leia and her husband Han Solo. Along with Lando, Chewbacca, R2, 3PO, and other allies, Han and Leia struggle to protect the future for their unborn child, but their greatest foe may be their closest friend, Luke Skywalker. Dark Empire. Jason, you read this uh, most recently, but did you read this when this came out back in the 90s? The first time I read this comic was in 1995. Um, I remember seeing it um, on the comic stands in December of 91 or early 92, and I still wasn't ready to get back into Star Wars yet. Um, I don't know why, but I I just kind of passed on it, which seems crazy now because I would never pass on Star Wars now. But uh, I was still in that kind of dark period where I wasn't quite ready to embrace Star Wars again. So uh, it wasn't until 95 that I actually picked up the uh, trade paperback, and I did. I really enjoyed it then, but uh, I recently read it again, and uh, yeah, I got to say, this was really good. This was a really great way to start off the uh, Star Wars comic universe. I, uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I was impressed on how well it held up mm-hmm. for being the first Dark Horse title to come out. I I think I enjoyed it, maybe like you said, maybe even more than when I read it originally. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, Dark Empire, when did you first read it? Um, I was looking back here. I have a trade paperback, and it says it's a uh, first issue from 93. Okay. But I don't think that's when I read it. It's probably more like 94, 95, somewhere in there. And it, probably when this stuff came out, I wasn't even aware of it necessarily. I was aware of like when the Zon books first came out, I, I started to notice those and I read through those. Um, but I seem to remember reading these while I was in college, which would have been 94, 95 into that era. You know, I enjoyed it back then. It was cool. I always loved the cover art on this stuff. Uh, just fantastic art. It has great art here on the front. I'm trying to remember. Is that Dave Dorman? Yes. It is. Okay. And uh, I, I loved all that type of stuff. I loved all because I've seen all six issues of this, even though I don't have them, the cover art from each one of those was fantastic. Going back and looking at this again, it's an interesting story. I still don't care much for the clone emperor thing. I think it's kind of ridiculous. 
I probably bought it a little bit more when I read this the first time, but now I'm like, eh. I still go back to once again, Han Solo is wearing the same thing. <laughs> and the, the really thing, the biggest thing that sticks out for me in this series is the colors in the comic. It's a lot of oranges and greens and yellows and purples. It's really an odd choice. Like, nothing is really colored like it should. It's constant shades of these colors. From page to page, even. You'd have one page that's all shaded kind of green and yellow. The next page is kind of red and purple, that kind of thing. And it's just odd. It kind of throws me off. I don't know why they chose to go that route. Uh, it, it seems really weird, kind of like it's being lit in, a, I don't know, like a, the back of a nightclub, and it's the smoky remnants through there. You're seeing the different lights reflecting or something. It just seems odd in those colors. I mean, the the line art seems fine. I don't have a real problem with that. Um, the story is okay. The whole thing with Han going back to... Uh, is it Narshada that he goes back to? Yes. Okay. The whole storyline going back there and the, the ex-girlfriend, all, that seemed kind of a little weird, but Princess Leia is wearing hammer pants in there, too. I just noticed that. <laughs> Apparently, that's pregnant pants in the Star Wars universe. You wear hammer pants. Yeah, it... Like I said, the stories for the most part is pretty good. It's interesting to see Luke kind of go to the dark side and that sort of thing, and, and Anakin appear to, to Leia, Leia coming about in the end to, to rescue everybody. But like I said, the the coloring just is so strange. It throws me off a little bit as, go, as I go through it. It's interesting you bring up the coloring because I am a huge fan of Cam Kennedy's work here. The work with the art and the watercolors is something that I don't think we ever saw again in any Dark Horse series. And it feels very ominous to me, yet still Star Wars. So Cam Candy does a really good job drawing Star Wars spaceships, which some artists uh, in the last, you know, 20-some years have struggled with to do. I think they capture uh, the style, the gritty, used world of Star Wars very, very well. I read this when it came out. I was super excited. I went to the comic book shop, got issue one. I missed issue number two because they overestimated the popu- they underestimated the popularity of the series and underproduced that second issue. And even today, that second issue goes for more than any other issue of them. I did not have the second issue for years, and it always was drilling me in the back. It wasn't until I think it was reprinted in 90 Star- uh, Dark Horse classics reprinted it in 97 was the first time i was able to get my hands on the second issue um but i read the rest of them as they came out they were fantastic i remember i loved the idea it's as ludicrous as it is i love the idea of ewoks being incorporated into the rebel alliance and i have always waited for more authors to do that and it never came about and I always thought it was strange because you would incorporate Wookiees who can use weapons and stuff. Why did you not bring the Ewoks in for those who are looking for an off-world adventure? I loved that concept. I love the uh, text materials in the back. Now, do you guys both read it in the trades? Did the trades come included with the text material in the back? Yes. Okay. Yep. My, at least mine does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now – Again, something we don't really ever see again in the Dark Horse world is like three to four pages of background and context and character motivation and histories. This is where Tom 
I believe it's pronounced Vietch, is the man. He is just paints a full, well-developed world in a world that we've never been in before because this is the first dark horse you know, entry into comics. So he was able to lay out this huge world that had huge histories. I thought it was fantastic. I love the text material at the end of these. Did you guys read through all that? No. Yeah, I did. I did, and uh, yeah, it's quite quite amazing that they put that much uh, put that much into it. Well, you know, I love that they did because he would go on to write Tales of the Jedi, which was the next major series that came out for Dark Horse, mm-hmm. and he would write that, and he would take those ideas and that text material and flesh them out. So I thought it was a great way of establishing a universe right away for Dark Horse. Now, of course, being the uh, toy connoisseurs that we all are on this show, um, the Sentinels pop up here. And uh, anyone that uh, has their Kenner action figure history knows that the Sentinels have been seen before. Jason, where have we seen the Sentinels? The Was guards. It like a prototype for is it Atta Prime or Atha Prime or yes. something? Atha Prime, yeah. Atha Prime, which was going to be the new villain for the. Uh, the vintage Kenner line before it got dumped, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was meant to follow Return of the Jedi, the adventures of the series, of the characters in the saga, and it was called The Epic Continues, and that was uh, Kenner's pitch to Lucasfilm that decided probably due to uh, low sales that they were going to not continue on with that line in that direction. But, man, how cool is it to see the sentinels because this is more or less who the villain would be is now involved in the reemergence of after return of the jedi here in dark horse so again love to see kenner and hasbro concepts show up while i was reading this leia uh of course gets a meets a beggar jedi who in her one of her last acts, maybe, is to pass on her lightsaber, which has been passed down for many generations of Jedi. And uh, Vima passes her lightsaber on to Leia. It's, How cool. Yeah, it's, that? it's pink, isn't it, the lightsaber? I think so. I think it was yeah. a red was it blade, a red? pink or red. The toy is pink, yeah. yeah. I was, that's, you know, that's the one thing, I, and I don't know, it could just be a red lightsaber. Of course, this was before they decided that Jedi just have only blue and green lightsabers. True. Oh, yeah. It's funny, you know, reading some of this older stuff that came out before the prequels, you know, there's not like an order. The Sith really isn't the order that we know. And and, and it's more of a dark Jedi than a uh, than anything else. When You know, when a Jedi goes bad, he's a dark Jedi, which there are no dark Jedi once the prequels come out. They're just yeah, Sith. It's very exclusive. The Sith are very exclusive mm-hmm. in this world here. This was a very pure time of Star Wars fiction. I mean, because literally the Thrawn novels had come out just a few months before this was written. And it even references Grand Admiral Thrawn in the text material. So we even see early stages of that synergy between you know the novel side and the comic side starting to tie into each other. Now we know that this would, you know develop into this huge expanded universe which was all ground to a halt earlier this year some of those you know another thing is the one of the ground vehicles looks like a just a gigantic truck or something and originally when i read that looked at that artwork i thought well gosh they don't have trucks in star wars they don't have giant trucks with tires and wheels but then you know 
Episode two came out and uh, the turbo tank came out and that definitely had the the wheels and the tires. So absolutely, they, they weren't so far off to what they were. And that turbo <laughs> tank was based on a, a prototype of the uh, the Adat as well. Okay, so 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 <laughs> my first reading of this, I had it all wrong because I thought, oh, that does not look Star Wars, but it but it is Star Wars. <laughs> I had a great time rereading this, and I think it's a story that holds up. Um, I'm. It's easier to swallow cloning now for me than maybe when I first read this, just because of our whole, uh, uh, you know, involvement with the clones and the uh, Clone Wars series. So definitely cloning is something that's very easy to accept in the Star Wars universe now, whereas back then it was pretty, uh, you know, we knew of the Clone Wars, but we didn't know what that meant. So this started to... uh, give us an idea that would then turn into something slightly different down the line. But I really enjoy this series. I think it holds up. I think it's a highlight. It's interesting that uh, uh, Randy Stradley was there at the very beginning, and he is uh, the one there at the end of getting us through Dark Horse. So he is uh, going to have spanned this entire series. So it's really, really cool to see him. I'm sure it's a very sad day for him that Marvel's taken over, but... I appreciate all the hard work he's done throughout the years and all the different Star Wars titles that they've published. And the bully got their ball back. Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) So if we had to rate uh, the Dark Empire series, I'm going three Death Stars plus all the way. Jason? Oh, yeah, definitely three Death Stars. (laughs) And Ryan? I I guess I'll be controversial and say two Death Stars. Dun, dun, dun. How dare you? <laughs> How dare I don't know that. Even back then, the whole clone emperor thing just bugged me. I I, I liked that the end of Jedi, the emperor died. We're done with it. I, I liked that, and the whole thing that they brought him back and this, I didn't like it at all. It just really bothered me. And like I said, the art. I don't necessarily say that the coloring bothered me so much, but it, I just found it odd. Like I didn't notice it to begin with, but after a while, it's like. I start to notice, I'm like, why is nobody in the right colors? Like, wait, what color is that? And then I start to realize, oh, the whole page is colored this. The thing is, is when I read through a comic, I generally just read read through it. Like, I don't really look at the pictures so much to begin with. And so when I start to look at it and realize it, it was it was a little offsetting for me. I'm not saying it was bad necessarily, but it, it just seemed a little odd to me. All right. Two Death Stars it is. Um, I think it's a fantastic series. I... We can maybe in the future take a look at some of the spinoffs this series had. I don't think that they hold up to what Dark Empire started out. But, uh, yeah, like I said, we can do that on another time when we spin back in time. All right, folks. Well, that's going to uh, bring us to the end of issue number two of the Star Wars Spinner Rack. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we try to drop these out the first Wednesday, first comic book day of each month. So expect to hear from us again in early August. I want to thank my co-hosts here. I can't do the show without them. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And make sure if you haven't already, go pick up every issue of Legacy. (laughs) Leave all the flashy titles there. Get Legacy. There you go. The sponsor, the sponsor of this episode is Star Wars Legacy. And Ryan, thanks so much. Oh, thank you for having me once again. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind actually reading that Legacy stuff. You said it started with the, the um, what was Star Wars back in, was it 99, 98, somewhere in there? 
I wouldn't mind going back and reading some of that because I have the early stuff of that, but I need to know what trade paperbacks to pick up to really read it. Oh, yeah. They've been making nice collections of omnibuses here in this last couple of years. So that would be pretty uh, – that would be a fun thing to do. Maybe at uh, Emerald City Comic Con this next year we can go through the aisles and do some shopping for you. And maybe. Or, you know, if you give me the information, I am going to a con the end of the – July that might. Oh yes. Do they even? Can you even get comic books at Comic Con? Oh, there is tons. Do you think there's a lot? Or (laughs) whatever you think there is at Emerald City, Uh there's so much more. There's a whole section that's just comic books at San Diego. That's good. That's good to know. (laughs) All right. Well, we want to thank you all for listening again to the Star Wars Spinner Rack. Now, if you have questions or want to comment on the show, you can email us at galaxyoftoys at gmail.com. Also, of course, uh, make sure to find us and like us on Twitter and Facebook at Galaxy of Toys. And to listen to all previous episodes of all our different shows here on the, uh, I guess what we could brand is the Galaxy of Toys Broadcasting Network. Uh, you can find those on iTunes, Zoom, Stitcher Smart Radio, or you can even go to Podbean at www.galaxyatoys.podbean.com. That will do it for this show, and until next month, may the Force and the funny books be with you. <laughs> <laughs>